Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. This is episode 92 of our Friendly Nets podcast. Stop but friendly. I'm a little bit uh I'm a little bit annoyed right now, Nick, because you know you lose one game to Philly and you say, okay, the Nets were due. They had, they had won a few in a row. Then you lose another one to the Clippers, an undermanned Clippers team. We will get into the Sixers and the Clippers' losses at home. Then you have this third game. It's a three-game homestand. You play a Memphis Grizzlies team, albeit a very talented Memphis Grizzlies team with an underrated backcourt. Uh, let's not – I want to give John Morant and Desmond Bain their props. I mean, they were incredible tonight. They absolutely fucking torched the Nets, and it was it was crazy. Uh, Morant put up 36 points on 14 of 22 from the field. He had – a highlight, thunderous, one-handed, fast-break throwdown where Kevin Durant sort of thought, maybe I can try to block him from behind, didn't even attempt to block it. Morant looked like he floated in midair, hit the shot. Desmond Bain had 29 points. He was 12 of 23 from the field. Uh, he could not miss. It seemed every time the Nets were about to inch closer, Desmond Bain would hit some big three-pointer or he would take it to the rim and hit a floater. Those two were phenomenal. But you're a Brooklyn Nets team with two out of the best 10 players in the world. And when Harden's right, I think he's a top five player. You have a very solid Nick Claxton who's been who's been playing a lot better as of late. You have a guy in Patty Mills who's supposed to be one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He's been playing that way this year. No LaMarcus Aldridge tonight. Okay, but what do you do? You go out there against this Grizzlies team. You lay an absolute dud. Okay, we're not even going to get into the fourth quarter run that the young guys made because Steve Nash decided to get, and I, I don't want to sound too harsh here, but get his head out of his butt and play the young guys because Cam Thomas did not play until the fourth quarter and Cam Thomas ended up sparking a mini comeback. The Nets got this game to within, I think it was 10 points, definitely 12 points. Maybe it was, a, uh, yeah, I think it was 12 points was about, oh no, yeah, it was 10 points because the fast break would have cut it to eight. I think they got it to 10 points on, on a mini run in the fourth quarter, but I want to talk about the first three quarters of the game, Nick. The starters were embarrassing tonight, and we've sort of seen this pattern where Kevin Durant, 26 points on 8 of 24 from the field. I mean, this was this was your rare off game for Kevin Durant. He did not make a shot in the second quarter. Uh, the 26 points is because he took you know 24 shots. He went to the line nine times. James Harden, not a great shooting night for him. 5 of 14 from the field. Uh, 19 points for Harden. He had eight assists. He did have five turnovers. That turnover number has been creeping back up for James Harden ever since that Clippers win. Uh, you know, what bothers me is, and yes, you need those two guys to lead this team, the role players have not been showing up. I mean, Patty Mills, 0 of 6 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3. DeAndre Bembry had six points in 22 minutes. Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, 10 points in, in limited time. Outside of those guys, no one scored. Nobody scored. I, I mean, and those guys did not score efficiently. They, they weren't – Bruce Brown was 4-4 from the field. Blake Griffin was 4-6. But, but I, I mean, James Johnson, two points in 23 minutes. That's bad. That's, that's bad. Patty Mills cannot score zero. 
And on the defensive side of the ball, the Nets were horrendous. So I know I'm going on a rant. I watched this entire game. This was a game that the Nets competed in up until halftime. And then after halftime, Memphis outscored the Nets 40 to 26 in that third quarter. The game was essentially lost in the third quarter. Um, The Nets shot an abysmal 29% from three-point range. That was horrible. I mean, the Grizzlies shot at 28.6%, but didn't matter. I mean, you look at the the field goal percentages and everything, they're relatively the same. Look it's at the just, rebounds. Look at the rebounds. Yeah, the Nets the Nets got out-rebounded in this one. Steven Adams and uh Jared Look at Jackson the total Jr. team rebounds. The total team rebounds, right. 61 62. for the Grizzlies, 33 yep. for the Nets. 24 yeah, on offense, 8 on I'm seeing 61. So where are you 24 I'm to 8 against box score. Okay. 24 to 8 on the offensive glass. I mean, yes. you're looking at similar field goal percentages. We just got out defended and out rebounded. But our, our offense, the only reason those field goal percentages are the way they are is because we went on a run as of late. So, like in that fourth quarter, we hit a bunch of shots. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's fine. That's but why, we got out rebounded by 28. Yes. That's 16 correct. second chance points. Maybe Aldridge being out, not just offensively, but was a huge setback on the boards. Where was Claxton? Our biggest rebounder was Bruce Brown with seven. Yeah. I mean, this was a game in which Claxton struggled. Steven Adams is an extremely big body, and they were showing uh, these these little highlights of of Adams sort of getting under Claxton's, Claxton's skin. At one point, he, he like, tickled his rib cage, and Claxton was like, get the fuck off me, essentially. Uh, there were a lot of those moments. This was, this was a, learning, a learning experience. I mean, even the Claxton. Grizzlies have yeah. guys like Brandon Clark who can come off the bench, who's just like a big bang guy who could throw down. He could also hit an open shot. We don't have that. Our bench is very small. We have a very good depth when it comes to our backcourt. We love Patty Mills. Bembry, I guess, is like a 2-3. He puts in good minutes. But we don't have a Brandon Clark. We don't even have a Killian Tilly who just literally is a big dude, comes in almost like a Frank Kaminsky type, uh, and can just hit an open little floater a couple feet away from the hoop. We don't have that option. We have Dayron Sharp, who's still so raw. He's not going to come in and really be a force. And Claxton, the guy who should be backing up Aldridge, who theoretically should be backing up a much better Blake Griffin, shouldn't be put in that position to be the forefront of, of, of a front court against Guys like Jaron Jackson, Steven Adams, and Brandon Clark. It's a bad matchup, and it's one we'll lose every time. Our front court, you know, it's not even that our front court got destroyed. It was that John Morant and Desmond Bain had anything and everything they wanted at the rim tonight. Bain's the man. Nobody saw this coming from Bain. Bain's, the Bain is the, uh, the dude. But there was no resistance so on was he TCU? Yeah, I, th- I think so. And that's why, that's the problem that I had with this performance is the energy was not there for the Nets. The effort on defense was not there for the Nets. The hustle wasn't there. Okay, Kevin Durant had a rare off game. He's not going to shoot 8 of 24 a lot. It it doesn't happen. This was the anomaly game. But if you see that he's struggling from the field, the rest of the team has to pick it up. Patty Mills can't not hit a shot. He can't. I don't get it with him. He's so hot for like five, six games, and then a few games, he, he can't hit water if he fell out of a boat. He can't do that. James Harden can't score 19 points if KD's hot, if, if KD's uh, cold. He's got to score more. You know, the, the, there has to be some sort of urgency when you're getting the shit kicked out of you at home. And that's what the Nets did not show in this game. It took Steve Nash, I said this in the beginning of my rant, it took Steve Nash basically being down by almost 30 to say, okay. And then I didn't understand why he didn't play Cam Thomas before this. He put Cam Thomas in in that fourth quarter. It was a lineup of Cam Thomas, David Duke Jr., 
um, Dayron Sharp, Javon Carter, and Bruce Brown. And they actually went on a run. They outscored the Grizzlies 31 to 22 in that fourth quarter. Um, but really, they went on the run when Nash pulled the starters. So it is what it is. I mean, you hate to lose like this. I'm not taking anything away from the Grizzlies, but the Nets are supposed to be the top team in the East. I know we're sitting two right now to the Bulls, Nick. If you could pull up those updated standings for me. We are supposed to be the number one team in the East. We're, we're number two right now. We're on a three-game skid, but you have to have more pride in yourselves and your team when you're at home. It's such a weird concept to think, and, and this has nothing to do with Kyrie Irving, but up to this point, the Nets have been a better road team than they've been a home team. So we're, uh, one game behind the Bulls, one one game ahead of the Bucks in second place. Yeah, the last thing I'll say, one, yeah. it's also sad because the Grizzlies were missing arguably their second or third best player in Dylan Brooks, who's yes. out for health and safety protocols, is averaging 28 games. That's another blow for us. But what I will say is a team like the Grizzlies scares me more than a team like the Lakers, more than a team like the Jazz. Because there's teams like the Grizzlies, and I'd say a kind of a worse version of the Grizzlies would be the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it's a young, hungry, defensive, hustling team that may not right now be in the championship contention, but is well on their way to being developed for three to five years from now. will be a fantastic team. Look at the Cavaliers with that backcourt of Garland, of uh, – um, Who's the other guy really? Like, Sexton's um, out. It's Colin really, Sexton, who's no, who's he's hurt. out. He's he's, he's yeah. out. And then look at the both these teams so crazy front courts, right? Well, you look yeah. At the Cavs, I, who I have think Allen, Mobley, and Kevin Love. You look at the Grizzlies, who have a bunch of big bodies. So there's young, hungry teams out there who want it more than we do. Sometimes yeah, we that, have a slower, yeah. veteran half court offense team. You have a team like the Grizzlies. John Moran is arguably the next Russell Westbrook in terms of athleticism. We don't have that. We are a slower paced, more methodical talent shooting that, team. That's We're not, not an excuse, though. That's not an it's excuse. Not, but, the, but, I, but what I'm saying is I'm more afraid of a team like this than I am of a team. You're, you're, you're of dancing around what I, what I said. They're, they're an effort team. If you're the Nets, you have to bring the effort against Yeah, but the we have the talent, but sometimes we don't have the effort. That's my point. Right. Right. So, I mean, going off that, James Harden said on the common theme in the three-game losing streak, we're not hanging our hats on the defensive end. It starts on the defensive end. Okay. John Morant, as good as he is, can't go 14 to 22 from the field. We're, we're not going to go deeper into this game. It's a shitty loss. KD had an off game. Harden had an off game. You move on. Did you see Antonio wanna, Brown? In the, so, in the yeah, I was going to I was gonna say, I wanted to get to some positives. But before we get to the positives, Antonio Brown was at the game. Uh, he is he is something, man. Look, it's not like he had to fly back to Tampa, right? Can you hear me? I lost you for a second. I can hear you. I said it's not like AB had to fly back to Tampa. Yeah. Um, so it was cool. Like it was whatever. I'm not a big AB guy. I wasn't. You know, he he's a guy who needs some help. We're not going to get into that. But I did want to get into some positives, Nick. Um, the positives are. Blake Griffin hit a few three-pointers in this game, which was nice to see. Uh, he was two of three from three. I said he had 10 points before, so that was a positive seeing Blake score a little bit. It's been a while since uh, he shot a three-pointer, and I didn't scream at my television. That was nice to see. Um, another positive, Joe Harris was seen getting some shots up pregame. Steve Nash said that Joe Harris is still a few weeks away from returning, but it was nice to see Joey Buckets getting some shots up. Uh, we've lost Nick for the time being. He can't he can't hear what I'm saying, so I'm just going to continue with the positives until he can hear me. Uh, and I guess the biggest positive is we get back our star 
shooting guard, point guard, whatever you want to call him. He's a shooting guard at this point. Kyrie Irving will return to the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday I'm against back. the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Nick's back. Nick's back. I was just going over the positives, Nick. I, I said that we saw Joe Harris shooting, getting some pregame shots up. Nash said he's a few a few weeks away. That was great. Um, we also saw, you know, uh, Blake Griffin hit some threes. That was awesome. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a comment we have. I'll get to this in a second. And then the other positive, obviously, is Kyrie Irving uh, playing on Wednesday against the Pacers. So all good things, things to look forward to if you're a Nets fan. My Holy King says that Nash started off, and he commented on our live feed, Nash started off playing with eight-man rotation. That's dumb. Um, I, I was not crazy about the rotation. I, I thought that in, an, in a game against a team like the Grizzlies, who are an effort team, as Nick pointed out before, you need to have some young guns in there. You know, maybe this is a game where Sharp gets some play. I don't know why Cam Thomas didn't see the floor before the fourth quarter. That didn't make sense to me. He is someone who can absolutely help you if you if, if KD's off. He's someone who can create offense off the dribble. So that that bummed me out. My Holy King also writes, we have all that talent on the bench. Why shorten the rotation? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It was a, it was a weird game from Nash. Not a great coaching game from Nash. Um, I want to move on, Nick. We had two more losses in this last week. Uh, Thursday was our, was our first loss at home during this three game stretch. We lost to the Sixers, 110 to 102. Uh, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey dominated the Nets in the fourth quarter. Georges Nang was hitting threes. This was KD's first game since coming back from pro COVID protocol. So he was a bit rusty. I mean, the Nets were in this game, but the Sixers ran away for, with it in that fourth quarter. They won this game 110 to 102. Um, and you know, MB, the frustrating thing about this game is MB pretty much kicked us off our own court at the end of this one. Uh, he told KD and the Nets to get, go the fuck home. Just like KD told MB in the Nets first meeting with the Sixers a few weeks ago. Um, so what did you think of this loss? I, I mean, I personally didn't think it was as bad as the Clippers and the Grizzlies losses. No, I mean, we didn't get much help from our bench in this game, but like you said, we have no matchup for Embiid. Embiid can literally poke Claxton onto the floor with his fingertip. So this to me was Harden and KD, what, both those were 33 in this game. We're carrying the entire team. We didn't get much help. I think uh, Aldridge and Claxton are the only two other two guys in double figures scoring yep. with 10 and 12. You're looking at Mills, five, James Johnson, four, uh, Blake Griffin, three, Cam Thomas, two, and Bruce Brown, zero off the bench. So, I mean, it, it's – we're getting no help against arguably the best offensive center in the league. We have yeah. no body to match up against him. If you're thinking about Claxton or Durant, they're going to get thrown aside. And Aldridge, being 10 years older, is just off his game too. He's a step slow. So it's a bad matchup. If Embiid is going to play that well, we are going to be in trouble, especially if we're not getting help. And if you look at the pattern, if you go this game and tonight against the Grizzlies, where was Patty Mills? And you, you know, people don't realize, people are so pleasantly surprised with Patty Mills' great games this season. But in a sense, you don't realize we kind of need that. Yeah. Patty Mills, 20 to 25 points. Oh, my God, I've never seen him do that in San Antonio. San Antonio. Where is that coming from? That's so fun to watch. You know, you don't understand. If Patty Mills isn't shooting at an efficient rate and he's not helping us offensively carry the weight of missing Kyrie Irving, of, wishing, of missing Joe Harris, of having guys in and out of the rotation going in and out of health and safety protocols, we aren't going to win a lot of these games. Patty Mills, you know, surprisingly so, is the deciding factor. So I look at all those things, but like you said, I don't think this was such a bad loss. Sixers are a hot team. They're only getting better as the season goes, kind of getting used to their chemistry without Ben Simmons. But 
Embiid outplayed us, and I can't really be too mad about that. I just need some of those younger guys and some of those bench guys to step up more. Yeah, uh, this was this was the Joel Embiid game. 34 points for him, 11 to 23 from the court. Um, he was absolutely dominant in this one. Tyrese Maxey pitched in 25 points, 10 of 18 from the field, 5 of 8 from three. Some huge threes by Tyrese Maxey. And, and just look the, at the numbers. Yeah. Look at Drummond. Drummond came off the bench with 10 and 10 in yeah. 16 minutes. So that just goes to show the pattern of us not being able to handle a true power five. A Drummond comes off and Drummond's on the last couple legs of his career and he can just toss our team around, come in for a little bit over a quarter and get a double-double like that where Claxton's playing, what, the majority of the game and he either barely or he didn't even get it. Claxton had 10 and 9 and he's playing 33 minutes. So come Claxton, on. So before, Andre Drummond was a great addition for the Sixers. When they picked him up, I thought he's one of the best backup centers in the league. Um the other point, you're seeing a common theme with, with these scoring guards, right? Tyrese Maxey in this one, 25. When I read you the Clippers box score, you're going to hear Terrence Mann had a pretty good game against us. And then today it was Desmond Bain. These scoring guards, for some reason, the Nets have a lot of trouble with them. And the other thing I'll say is your, your, your thing about Claxton, Claxton's such a good defenser, uh, defenser. He's such a good defensive player. But he's a great defensive player in the sense that He's extremely versatile. He can cover one to five. I don't think he's like the best defensive center when it comes to guarding fives, right? Can he can he shut down Steven Adams? Sure. Steven Adams is an offensive threat. But when he plays a guy like Embiid, when he's played against Giannis, when he's played against these bodies that are bigger than him, he struggles to, to really slow him down. But it's not um, even also it's not only slowing him down, it's also out rebounding. Like, listen, right. if you're gonna say to me, Embiid is going to put up 30 against Claxton. Okay. I, I know that's going to happen. But if you can tell me that Claxton's going to tire him out, he's not going to let him get offensive putbacks. He's not going to let him get second chance points. He's going to bang down low, get a double double, and keep Embiid from getting more points than he should have off a first or second move. I'd be okay with that. But to me, the most frustrating thing is you mentioned Steven Adams. Steven Adams still out-rebounded Claxton significantly. And I know Steven Adams isn't an offensive threat. He's never going to be. But it's beating him on the things that you don't necessarily see. Those couple rebounds that go off the glass, those big uh, uh, up-in-the-air kind of equal opportunity balls that Claxton's still losing to guys like Steven Adams when he's much younger and more athletic. But Adams just knows how to use his body and throw his body around more. Um. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. And let me you. ask you this. on the yeah. You mentioned the guard front. How much of the blame on our lack of defending guards is on James Harden? A little bit. He has not been extremely uh, solid defensively these last few games. He struggled a little bit. I, I mean, defensively, we're just not there, right? And and let's get into this Clippers game real quick. Um, it, it was a lot of the same in this Clippers game. We, we allowed and we lost this Clippers game 120 to 116. This again a game we probably should have won. We were in this game for the majority, but we allowed 40 points from the Clippers in the fourth quarter. Uh, Eric Bledsoe had 27 in this one. Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann both had 19. And this guy, uh, it's A. Coffee. I'm clicking on his name. His name's Amir Coffee. He chipped in with, with 14. Okay, these are all guards that killed us. Uh, again, you can't allow the Clippers team without Paul George – to come in and or Kawhi Leonard or Luke Kennard. It was a bad look. We lost to Eric Bledsoe and Reggie Jackson, who are arguably the two most unwanted guards in the league. And again, I didn't didn't read the stats for our role players in that last game, but DeAndre Bembry and and Bruce Brown had zero points apiece. In this one, it was two points for Bruce Brown, seven points for Bembry. 
James Johnson had five. Blake Griffin, zero points in seven minutes. Okay, Harden and Durant, again, had to carry the load. 34 points for Harden, 13 assists, 12 rebounds, and then for KD, it was 28 points. But outside of them, it was Patty Mills chipped in with 17, Aldridge had 10. That's it. You need more from your role, guys, and you need to defend these guards better. Your perimeter defense stinks right now. It sucks. Okay, okay? but this is also one of those games that is actually hard to judge based on the numbers and paper. Because if you watch this game, the last five the last five minutes, we were up about 10 to 12, and we blew it. We know we stopped running offense. If you looked, every time we were up like 10, Harden would wait 21 seconds, take a fadeaway three. Okay, now we're up seven. Kevin Durant would hold the ball, pass it back to Harden, pass it back to Durant, take a fadeaway jumper with two guys in his face. We stopped running the ball we stopped distributing we stopped running off ball plays we stopped doing anything we figured with a few minutes left we have a slight lead let's hold the clock and hopefully hit a couple you know shot clock buzzer beating like savior shots which is a stupid idiotic idiotic way to play so if you watch the last few minutes of the game we abandoned everything we were doing well the whole the whole game finding the open man being selfless driving and dishing and all of a sudden we became a stagnant Offensive team begging and holding on for dear life, trying to win this game with as little thought and effort as possible. And it goes back to the whole effort thing as well. Why do Harden and Durant think that people watching and their teammates want them to just hold the ball and huck up a shot? That's not what a superstar does. They create, okay? They don't force. Well, Harden, Harden creates. Harden's averaging 10 assists a game. so He is, not in the last five minutes of this game. Oh, you're saying they okay in the last five minutes. No, that's game, all I'm saying. saying went, all yeah, I'm saying is the okay. last five minutes they abandoned everything that works for them. It's yeah, what look, got I, them a double I, I digit think, lead. I think so. That, I can't even you know, fault Bledsoe yeah. for for getting. I can't even say. Oh, I'm so mad at Eric Bledsoe. He was great. I'm no. I'm saying I can't even blame it on the anomaly of Eric Bledsoe. I think he shot like eight for twelve from the field. He's right. not that great of a player with twenty seven points. That's a once in a thirty. Well, but game my question situation. to you is, why is he shooting that high of a percentage? Why did Desmond Bain shoot that high of a percentage tonight in the Grizzlies game? Same with Tyrese Maxey. It goes back to our perimeter defense. And, yes, some of the blame has to be put on James Harden. Some of the blame has to be put on Kevin Durant for not setting the tone. You know what I'm saying? It's a pattern. And James Harden said it. He said it. They have to improve defensively. They have to figure it out. Because the Nets aren't that kind of team that can play crappy defense. And, you know – if you looked at the patterns this year, right? Kyrie's not playing in home games. He's going to be playing in away games. It's a weird, it's a weird thing for me because last year they can afford to play crappy defense because they were scoring a million points a game. This year is a lot different. Their offense isn't as potent as it was last year. It's just not. Jeff Green's gone. Kyrie Irving hasn't been here. Joe Harris has been hurt. KD's been out. James, it, it, you know, this team has actually they've depended more on effort these last few weeks, right? That win against the Lakers, that took effort. That took defensive tenacity down the stretch to slow down LeBron. The win against the Clippers when we were at their place, yeah, that took effort. Okay, you think about the week when we had David Duke and Kessler Edwards in there, right? Kevin Durant could only do so much when he's Kevin Durant, which he wasn't tonight, but he can only do so much. He's going to put up 30. It's what can your other guys do? What can your role guys do? And if you're not scoring, then you got to give it to me on defense. And that is something that we did not see in this game. We didn't see it down the stretch in the Sixers game or the Clippers game. And it's a weird pattern that it's been happening at home because it feels like this team heard, hey, Kyrie's coming back. He's going to be back for away games. Guess what? He's coming back on Wednesday. And they kind of just said, 
fuck it. We're going to wait for then. Let me ask you this. So we have, we're on a three game skid. Yeah. Against, uh, I'd say the Sixers are a solid team. It's that's okay. We'll, Two we'll playoff teams and the Clippers. Yeah. The Clippers was a joke. The Clippers was like the magic. It was a joke. Um, let me ask you this. We have Pacers on Wednesday in Indiana. It's Kyrie Irving's first game this season. Yep. As everyone knows, he's going to be playing in the away games in the cities that allow it. Who are you? Okay. So, so I guess it's a twofold question. It's, it's presumable that we'll beat the Pacers, but what's going to come after that is the Milwaukee Bucks. If we lose to the Milwaukee Bucks, we'll probably lose the second seed. So first question to you is give me your Kyrie prediction against the Pacers and tell me where you think we'll be after a few weeks with Kyrie. Uh, my, that's a good question. My prediction is Kyrie's going to go for 25 points. Maybe like four assists, five assists, but he's going to have a nice game. He's going to get minutes. He's going to start. It's not like Nash is going to take Kyrie and not fucking play him. He's going to start him. Um, I think it's going to be a, a good, you know, a solid debut for Kyrie. I think that it's going to relieve some of the pressure off of James Harden, off of Kevin Durant. They're, they're going to be able to pick and choose their moments a little bit more efficiently. Hopefully Harden will get that turnover number down because he has to stop turning the ball over. Um so I'm I'm excited for that game against the Pacers. I think that for some reason we we've just played better on the road, and and with Kyrie Irving coming back, we should win this game. You know. Um, also, the Pacers are a team that their record stinks. They've been faltering, and all those players think they're about to be traded. So I I just think this is sort of uh, it's a really solid opportunity for a bounce back game for the Nets. And what was your second question? So, second question. Actually, I have a better question. Um, yeah, my question was, what you had. It was against the Bucks, but we'll face that. We'll, we'll cross that bridge. We get to it. Who are you more excited to see come back as a basketball fan, Kyrie Irving or Clay Thompson? It's a great question. I have been such a Clay Thompson fan since he uh, kind of exploded with the Warriors. The thing I love about Clay's game is he is the only guy who can be the best player on the court and not need the ball in his hands. I've never – you think about all the great catch-and-shoot players, right, like the Kyle Korvers, the Peja Stojakovic's. Clay Thompson is that, but then he also has the same scoring ability as a Paul George. Maybe maybe not that versatile, but like as a Kawhi Leonard. I would say that Clay Thompson's game, he could beat you off the dribble. He can get to the rim. He can dunk. He can finish through contact, but he has that drop-dead, you know, catch-and-shoot shot like a Patty Mills – um, like a Duncan Robinson, like a you know a, a, any Joe Harris, he has that too. So I've never seen a player who has both those skills. Um, having said that, I'm a Nets fan, so I'm, I'm going to tell you I'm more excited to see Kyrie Irving. But Clay Thompson gets to play in every single game, so you can't say Kyrie Irving, dude. Clay Thompson's coming back from two of arguably the worst injuries an athlete can have—a torn ACL and a torn Achilles, back-to-back seasons. And you know what I love about Steve Kerr? He said. He's going right back in the starting lineup. Clay Thompson doesn't come off the bench. So I am extremely, extremely excited to see Clay Thompson. There's no asterisk on his comeback. There's right. no COVID health and safety protocol question mark. So super excited for Clay Thompson, but I am also very excited for Kyrie Irving. I know we'll all be tuning into that game just to see how he looks. Uh, he was hitting some good shots in practice. I mean, listen, has the guy not played this season yet? Has he been playing basketball every day of the week? Absolutely. He's going to be in tip-top shape, and I think he's going to, uh, if anything, like it would be more shocking for him to be cold and falter under pressure given Kyrie's past uh, and, and how much he stepped up 
in big situations. So excited for that game, excited for the Bucks on Friday, a two-game win streak would really do us wonders in terms of momentum and in terms of uh, keeping our lead over the Bucks and hopefully getting a game back in uh, towards the Chicago Bulls in first place. Two quick things uh, before we end the podcast. Ian Eagles, Dark Knight references tonight, and shout out to Jack Williamson for, for sending me the first one. I missed it because I had the TV muted. I heard the second one. Uh, Desmond Bain hit a shot, and Ian Eagle just goes, the fire rises. And then later, he hit another shot, and uh, Ian Eagle said, Bain wondering what will break first, mind or body? Just spot on, Ian Eagle. I love the fact that he is one of the only announcers I know in the league who is so up to date with his pop culture references. He's able to sprinkle them in here and there. Look, this game was not really competitive, so I needed something to be entertained. And I just want to shout out to Iron Eagle for those awesome Dark Knight Rises references that kept me going when they were getting blown out. So that's He's number one. He's a legend. And then number two, um, I just wanted to give Harden uh, some credit here because – He's played brilliantly since coming back from from quarantine. This was the first game where he sort of resorted back to pre-COVID health and safety protocol, James Harden, where he was turning the ball over a little bit. His shot wasn't there. He was careless with it. His defensive effort was just flat out not there tonight. Um, But in that game against the Clippers and the Sixers, both those losses, Harden had a triple-double, I think. And he also scored like plus 30 points. It was 34 and 33 respectively. So he's been, he's been giving the Nets some really solid offensive basketball. Um, they, they just, you know, they need help on defense and, and they need another guy. You know, if, if you're, if you're going to run that isolation ball with Harden and KD, you need other guys to contribute. You need Patty Mills to hit shots. You need, you know, your role players to step up. So, while I'm excited for Kyrie to come back, and here are my final thoughts as a Nets fan. We can end the pod after this. I'll let you give your final thoughts, and then we'll say goodnight. Um, Kyrie coming back helps. It doesn't solve all your problems. You, you still need to improve this team to not lose close games against the Sixers in the fourth. You have to defend better against the Clippers. And then, you know, you have to be able to match these effort teams like the Grizzlies, you know, the Utah Jazz are a team. They're great, and they're going to give you the effort. Um, yeah, th- so those are my final thoughts. Just, you know, Kyrie's great, but he doesn't solve all your problems if you're the Brooklyn Nets. Every problem has a solution, to quote Molly Parker in the TV show Lost in Space, now streaming on Netflix. Those are my final thoughts. All right. Uh could you do catch me on the catch you on the fireside, but could you do it to the tune of um, Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers? No, that's is that a, I'm thinking of snow. Hey, all right, do that one. Catch you. All right. Catch you on the higher than I can do on the higher than I can do on the higher than I can do on the higher than. All right, that's it.